0: Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Ray.
1: Hello.
0: And my co-host Robert. Oi. And we are back after a uh, very busy weekend here in the land of Warhammer 40,000. Several tournaments to get to, some interesting lists, and we're starting to see the Nephilim meta mature a little bit. But uh, first, we've got some new releases to talk about from the good old Games Workshop. So first and foremost, the most important unit in the Chaos Space Marine Codex, which would be?
2: Chaos Cultists. Yeah,
0: So they're out. So now, um, these being sold individually or you still, have, you still have to buy these
2: now in the, in the big box? Um, from the pictures that they show, it only shows a box of 10. But it does look like they're all kind of kid out the same with a single pistol and some kind of crude melee weapon. So there's not a whole bunch of diversity. I think the champion of the squad is the only one that can take something different now, I think. I don't have my Chaos Space Marine Codex right next to me to read. so
0: No big deal. Yeah, they'll take a look at how that uh, fleshes out and see how people field them.
2: Uh, Some other new releases that came out as well. What else we got, guys? Well, on the side of the coldest, we have the Dark Commune, which is just a whole bunch of weird cannon fodders that want to be priests. But it's a, it's a selection of five characters. It reminds me of the Goblin Palooza, the Age of Sigmar had for the Gloomspite Gits, where it's an entire box of characters, but they each do different things while part of that unit.
0: Yeah, this seems to be, if you're taking cultists,
2: adding these to the list would be
0: like auto-include.
2: Yeah, I I have, I have glossed over them and I was like, oh, this is cool. It's a whole bunch of five characters. That means you have to kill all five of them to get three assassinate points while well, they're cultists.
0: <laughs> yeah, kind of lean into them a little bit. They'll be fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, but alongside them, we have the new Sculpts of the Chosen, which are finally separate from, I believe, the Eldritch Omen box.
0: Yes. But they still have upstairs for no apparent reason. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I think the one guy's power fist looks kind of funny because it got really bad teeth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you should make and one then, with like braces on it. That'd be cool.
2: That'd take a little bit of green stuff sculpting. And then we finally have the warp smith also coming out of the Eldritch Omen box. Um, pretty pretty angry looking guy. I love that. Definitely model. needs more iron. <laughs> And then this is the thing that actually surprised me. Uh, they have a box with the venom crawler and the obliterators. So they're finally pulling those out of the, the original like Vanguard box that introduced like the Phobos Marines, I think it was.: Yeah.
0: Well, that's cool that they're finally available. I didn't really, it's kind of odd to include them together like that, but
2: hey, well, I'll take it. So
1: I believe they're on one sprue.
2: Yeah, they they both come in the same box, is what the description reads. Yes. That it's a venom crawler and two obliterators. So it's a just have a some shooty dudes and a weird crawling bug thing.
1: Mm.
0: I haven't looked at what he does in the new codex, but I remember in the previously he was still pretty good.
2: But no, one ever saw saw him on the table because of the fact that it was just oh yeah, here's a kind of a dreadnought-esque vehicle that gets popped by anything you want.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was the, kind of the problem. It's still a strength a gun, but it's just one of those Yeah, and no staying power. So,
2: Yeah. And then the last new release that isn't a book, we've all been waiting for it for a long time, <laughs> especially Space Marines. We have a plastic Leviathan dreadnought, everybody. <laughs>
1: With the caveat that this currently one only has close combat weapons.
2: Yeah, it only comes with the siege claw and a assault drill. But there is already a confirmed thing in the article that says they will release the shooting sprues at a later time. Yep. So the only thing that I can't get from the article is whether or not it gives you the capability to make a Leviathan Dreadnought with a pair of each of them or one of each. Either way, they will re- be releasing that separately as an upgrade sprue.
1: Yeah, well, it says each can be built as siege drills or siege claws, which would ma- lead me to believe you could double up. on either.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's a Leviathan dreadnought. You, in order to get these things, you used to have to pay, all, like at least a foot worth of money to get a leviathan dreadnought because it being resin and then all the different and then getting the different arms and stuff like that so i'm just happy that it's coming out in plastic so that way we can potentially see more leviathan dreadnoughts on the table probably for the Horus heresy but (laughs) (laughs) leviathan dreadnoughts are still a fun sight to see because they are big and chunky
0: And speaking of big and chunky, our uh, lovely Leagues of OTAN have a new vehicle that they showed off today on the Warhammer page.
2: Yes. See, I would, mm. I would want to call this thing a fart cart, but it's <laughs> not nerdy <laughs> enough. Uh,
0: so we're still... It's hard to get some reference points, but interesting how we're, we have like
2: no agreement on how big this thing is. Yeah. Well... I know Ray while we were off the air said that it was he estimated it to be something the size of a Goliath truck. Yes. Well, a Goliath truck is also a mining tool for people that are average sized and have really bad posture. This one is for people that are that same size of the terrible-postured people. So I fully expect this thing to actually be a little bit smaller than like Not as wide as a Goliath truck, maybe as long and a little bit taller because it is kind of a curved top of the chassis.
0: So to me, not only do I think this is the size of a Land Raider, this is the locomotive for the forthcoming Land Train.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Eric, everyone needs a dream, right? That's right. Just saying that this thing better, if it's not the lead car of a of a land locomotive, it should be the caboose of a land locomotive made entirely out of bane blades. <laughs>
0: you know, the funny part is I really don't remember how good the land train was. This is something that. You know, although I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about the nostalgia and how many people have latched on to, I remember Squats. Like, really? Are there really that many people that played second edition? Because one of the reasons why Games Workshop stopped supporting Squats was nobody bought the Codex. So <laughs> uh, I'm curious to see, I can't remember how I good mean, I remember them just being like like a splash unit for Epic because they had their, they had these gargantuan uh tanks that had a big gun and they could like one shot titans. So I was like, "Ooh, that's bad." But I really don't remember them in 40k at all, so anyway, it definitely seems to be a complete reboot at this
2: point. Yeah, it's I honestly like the little fact that never mind the humongous customization option of the top turret. You can actually have an angry old man drive it. <laughs> Just look at him. He is so angry.
0: The funny part is, I was reading some crazy Divergent uh, angry e- posts on the internet about, I guess, the remember the jet bike that they came out with, and apparently that was supposed to be a female pilot. Mm-hmm. I totally missed that. I thought the I thought they were basically the space Amish. You know, the <laughs> those are married, grow their beards; those are aren't married, don't have a beard type thing. that that was supposed to be female, so I'm like, okay, whatever.
2: (laughs) I mean, with how they've shown off all of these kits so far, they have enough diver, like enough different heads and stuff like that. You can actually give them whatever head you want, and their torsos are covered up by their mining suits, so it's like whatever you can actually have totally like not all male people in your army which is what we end up tending to see unless you're playing sisters of battle and then it's completely opposite side of the coin of all women <laughs> right so
0: I'm curious to see when this thing finally comes out at this point and then last but I'm not sure if we talked about it on our last episode, but they've announced not a whole lot of rules at this point, but the Codex Demons is coming out as our next Codex. So uh, a couple Yay. rumors here and there uh, popping up. And um, I think the goofiest thing I've heard so far is they have, they still have their Demon save, but it's not an invulnerable save because now there's weapons that ignore invulnerable saves. So this is like, it cannot be ignored because it doesn't have the invulnerable keyword and that they're going to have different armor values based on whether it's a
2: melee attack versus a shooting attack. So what you're saying is, is they should just give everyone different saves and make this game even more complicated. <laughs> it's almost like we had an invulnerable save, but now
0: we have an uber vulnerable save.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know the, the bit that got leaked out was that of like the Great Unclean one and the initial start of the Lord of Change where the Great Unclean one has a 4-up a and a 5-up demon save. He's still really, really hard to punch through. He has Disgusting and Resilient that kind of thing. The, the Lord of Change one got me though. The fact that they gave it an innate 3-up three- plus plus demon save th- whatever it's going to be against shooting attacks. Like no. <laughs> they want three up vulnerable saves to be gone. Why would they give this thing a three up and vulnerable save that can't be ignored?
1: Because GW likes to be inconsistent.
2: I mean being consistent is one thing Ray, right? but If there's like a flavorful reason to why it gets a 3-up and vulnerable save, aside from it being a demon, then put it in the book. That's that's all I ask. I want an actual reason why it would get a 3-up and vulnerable save. Whereas you have knights that are toughness 8 and have a 3-up armor save, and they don't have any way of improving that. Unless you give them specific bonuses.
1: Good luck getting a reason.
2: Yep. i was surprised knights don't have a 2-up armor save. Okay. Yep, that's what I was getting at. Knights should have a base 2-up armor save, but they're also toughness 8, so I guess that's the trade-off. Uh, could have are land raider got a 2-up at this point, too. But, oh well. It also gets armor of
0: contempt. <laughs> ah, good point. <laughs> Anyhow, so... Hey everyone, Eric from the Exterminatus Podcast to tell you about the Smite Club Open. That's right, coming up this September 10th and 11th at the Bell Bank Park Fieldhouse in Mesa, Arizona. 128 players. we got six rounds, a ton of venues all around the particular area. To buy your tickets, you can get them at smiteclub40k.com backslash store. That's smiteclub40k.com backslash store. Tickets right now are $60, but if you wait beyond August 10th, they do go back up to $70, so get your tickets now. If you've been to our Scourge Earth Open, expect even more from this particular event. Once again, Spike Club Open September 10th and 11th. Hope to see you there. Uh, last but not least, a little Nephilim news here. Ray and I actually got a game in today. Um, my first foray into the uh, going against Necrons ever since the uh, new Secondaries came out. and uh, Boy, that was a rude awakening.
2: So... Before before we get to the, how the actual game went, I have to go check to see if pigs fly, and if if it's raining wine or blood out there. The, qu- the answer to both those
1: might just be yes.
2: <laughs> but uh it, it's good that you guys both got a game, and I think your record was actually fairly close for what it was. Yes.
0: Yeah, it was a close game. Absolutely, um, it just—it's been a long time. since so I, I kind I—I of, it's one of those things where you hear about it on shows like this, where this is how this particular army plays. But until you actually get into it and play it, and you start to realize, oh my gosh! And uh, so, particular, I'm usually very uh, sloppy when it comes to like overextending my army. Like, I'll send in two units when one of the units could easily kill something. Yeah, nothing against Necrons. <laughs> the warriors just bounce right back up. And uh, especially because it's after every attack. So it's like, okay, the first unit goes in, I kill some, eh, half of them come back. Next unit, just killing the same unit. Nope, a couple more bounce back. I was like, you gotta be kidding here. And then Ray took um, the ever popular, it's aggressive expansionists. So none of the whole bunch of units get a pre-game move. Everything in the army is obsec. I was like,
2: oh, you've
1: got to be kidding. <laughs> and Necron Warriors were double obsec. Yeah.
0: Which came into our the uh, big issue at the, the the end there with the, the final objective. I was kind of like, uh-oh. <laughs> We're counting down. I think you had 14 warriors against my 13 racks or something like that. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> kind of whittle each other down to claim the objective. But um, overall, you know, it was a really strong game, a uh, very close game. But uh, hey, congratulations to Ray. He he pulled it out.
1: My my first victory of ninth edition. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was just like, oh, my gosh. So yeah, I got definitely the secondaries made a huge impact on, on how they play. In fact, it, you took all three out of uh, the Necron Codex, so that's something you could not have done in Nachmund. And of course, these are the reformulated uh, Nephrim uh, secondaries and um, made them, yeah, that was pretty tough.
2: Yeah, just looking it over on my end, the obviously you were able to get into raised deployment zone pretty aggressively because of behind enemy lines. But um, you guys quite literally had the same exact same exact primary score outside of the fact that you Eric got one of the detonations to go off, but that was overdone by it looked like Ray had a really strong turn 3 of Code of, com- uh, code of Combat. So what, exactly what character ate up your entire army doing that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Void Dragon. Oh, and it was so... It was oh, was it Silent King? I thought it was Void Dragon. Okay. Uh,
1: code of Conduct yeah. is only nobles.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> okay. That makes sense. It was a Silent King, because Silent King makes you go sit down. Y'all fight last. So that makes a lot of sense. That, yeah, I know the Silent King got in there and just rolled, rolled really, really well, and just ate a couple of characters.
1: Uh, one took out uh one unit in uh shooting phase, one unit in close combat.
2: Combat. Mm, okay, but otherwise. Yeah, no, the the treasure of the Aeons, I'm going to have to reread that one because I know that one is your opponent has like three objective markers get marked or something like that is kind of the prerequisite. But obviously, the score shows that Ray was able to move out of his deployment zone to hold at least one and then he was able to hold at least two to get 13 points on that secondary.
1: Yeah, so yeah. that one allows... Uh... Eric got to choose three, but he couldn't choose the one in his deployment zone unless he had already chosen all the ones in No Man's Land. And since in this um, mission there were three in No Man's Land, he had to choose uh-huh. those three.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And yeah, thanks to the uh, um, Relentless expansionist, uh, si- uh up to 6-inch move at the very beginning of the game, before we even start the game, I was basically able to have control of it before anything even happened in the game.
2: Makes sense. But otherwise, um, maybe next Monday, depending on my availability... I'll be able to play one of you.
0: Sounds like a plan.
2: And also, depending on how aggressively I build up my knights, you might play against them, you might play against my custodes. Nobody knows. Nobody nope. knows. See what the TSA has to say about your custodes. <laughs> um, well, I'm actually... I'm crying a little bit right now. But that's for that's for a separate reason. They were, they were loaned out. They're coming back a little beat up. But they're still coming back, though. That's the, that's the important bit. I they seem. didn't just vanish off the face of the earth, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that.
2: So, moving on from our little game, we hop on just up to Utah, I believe.
0: That's right. Time for our tournament report here. At this point, so heading up to the grand state of Utah, and I've got the.
2: Uh, uh, um, I, I believe we are looking for a Warhound at, at some place called the Game Grid.
0: That is a place. I wonder if the prize was actually a Warhound Titan. That'd be pretty cool.
2: I mean, that would be great. Um, but otherwise, yeah, no. Uh, at the Warhound, at the Game Grid GT. So five rounds, a single undefeated person. It, it makes my heart go a little wah wah. But so our top five is. Thomas Hegstrom Oki playing Eldar and then Thomas Knight playing Imperial Knights. That's fitting. Uh, we have Colin K playing Night Lords. We have Chase Chapel playing Ynari and then we have old man Richard Kilton playing Goffs.
0: Yeah, he's back on top with the works.
2: <laughs> yep. So with the re- with the other change that happened Two orcs in this recent balance stage sheet, where freebooters got basically nuked off the face of the planet, <laughs> with losing the plus one to hit. And now it's just reroll ones. Richard Kilton decidedly brought or uh, brought Goffs, so he brought the prop Achilles ones. He has three knobs on three knobs on Smashesquigs. He has boss Zagstruck. A war boss, which is the war boss on foot with the power claw. Yeah, he has the killie claw. A weird boy. One, two, three units of regular snag boys. One unit of regular boys. Two units of Gretchen. Did he bring a battalion or a brigade? Yeah, he brought a battalion. All right, so one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Uh,. And then his elite choices are filled up with one unit of Commandos and three units of Mega knobs, all with Power Claws and Shooters. And then three units of hog Boys and a Battle Wagon with a Death Roller. And he has a truck and he has a Supreme, supreme Command Management of the big guy, Mr. Throcka himself. But no, little Makari. He couldn't find the fifty-five points to get my favorite bowling ball. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, run me through this list because it's we're so used to the freebooter and the, um, the, the you know the full-on truck list. How does this thing yeah. work?
2: So, just reading this over, goffs are very much because they nat- they get daka 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 in melee as well. So the the boys he looks like because they're minimum boy squads, so they're all just five points uh, five power level for each unit, so he can strategically reserve them for little to no cost. He also has the battle wagon, which is open topped because it's doesn't have an art case on it, so it can carry 20 guys so he can easily carry all nine of the mega knobs, which takes up 18 spots. And then he takes the war boss and maybe one other character in there. Or if he wanted to, he could shove Gazgul into the battle wagon. Cause guys takes up 18. So it's a lot of, um, I would, I would almost want to say board control just simply by having body presence. Cause the commandos forward deploy, the Battle Wagon is actually pretty durable for what it is, being Ramshackle and whatnot. And he has the truck to carry around one unit of boys or something. And he can use Gazgul as uh, as a center table threat once he gets there because he only moves 7 inches. But when you wa it, characters can advance and charge. Characters and core units can advance and charge which almost everything in this list is core. So in one turn you could easily have Gazgol kind of wander up into the middle of, like somewhere near the middle of the table or like a really important objective. And you could have the rest of the army kind of float around him. And then you wah and you send Gazgul into something and you send everything else into what they need to go and touch. Because if they're within six of Gazgul, they reroll ones. And if they're in range of the war boss, they get plus one to hit, so they hit on twos, and you can unbridle carnage to get them to exploding fives in melee. Like, you can get a whole bunch of buffs off during the, during the fight phase, but you definitely have to be more aware of the fact that you don't have a whole bunch of vehicles that can just outright reduce damage, and your boys just kind of die as they walk around the table. So... Obviously, Rich Kilton has a lot of knowledge playing Orcs and how to pilot them. So, like, the knobs on Squigs have... I believe they have a Mortal wound strat available to them as well, where they... Like, if they bonk something and they kill it with Mortal Wounds, they can perform another charge to go in deeper and stuff like that. But otherwise, um, Boss Zagstruck is a... I'm trying to remember which one Zach Struck is. I believe he's the Storm Boy character. Because, yeah, he has Blitz Missiles, a Choppa, Defulge's Claws. That sounds like a Storm Boy thing. And then, yeah, so the War Boss probably goes in the Battle Wagon along with maybe the Weird Boy. It's hard to tell, because this list is very much not how I would generally play Orcs. Because I, like clumping all my boys together and throwing blobs of 30 guys at my opponent. But otherwise, yeah, no, this is definitely a you can hold a lot of space with all these boys and the Battle Wagon and Thraka and just threaten whatever table corner you want because you can advance and charge for a single turn.
0: Okay. Well, thank you. Because I looked at that I'm like, okay, what's, these things are changing trying to get a better understanding of what they're trying to do with the list.
2: And I believe the other change to the wall for for orcs is i th- I know all of the coren characters get an extra attack, but I also think and character get an extra strength. So you get stuff like the um, squid hog boys; they get up to like strength seven on the charge, I think, because they're always swinging at strength six. And I mean, I've lost a unit of Loras Terminators to them before, and that really sucked because <laughs> <laughs> two damage spears, man, they do work. Yes, they
0: do. Well, one of the lists of notes is chase chapel with an Anari. So one thing that's also of note, Chase is part of the Zeno spending zoo team. And we'll be talking about them in a later tournament. Cause he was the only, I guess I got the memo that, uh, <laughs> he went to the wrong tournament, but who knows? We'll see what happens. But, uh, Interesting list, and not so much that it's anari, but uh, it has a lot of the usual, uh, lots of warlocks, lots of um, incarn, uh, war- uh, rangers in the troop slots to keep them nice and cheap, as well as howling banshees and striking scorpions. But what I thought was really interesting is he's got a both well, a wraith lord, a wraith seer, a hemlock fighter, as well as a void raven bomber. So. I've been always trying to figure out how to make the void the uh, Hemlock Fighter work a little bit, as well as the Void Raven Bomber. Maybe the two of them together is a way to make it happen. Who knows?
2: Hmm. Because because I know the Void Raven Bomber, it comes with the two Void Lances, which I believe are Strength 9. Correct. Yeah, and then it comes with the missiles as well.
0: Yeah, he actually took the missile upgrade. You usually don't see that lately, so that's kind of neat.
2: Because... Is the missile, like, a poison upgrade or something?
0: They are... I have to look them up. I know they're, like... Random number of shots, but I wonder them I think is, like, Strength 6, CP, minus two, 2 damage, I think. i have to look it up. Mm. Look it up now while we're talking.
2: Yeah, because the Hemlock Wraith Fighter, which... Um... Okay, they have a psychic flyer. That's already really freaking cool mm-hmm. because it has the Storm of Wister's power. And then the two D-size, I know the D-size are like crazy strong, like I think strength 12 weapons or something like that. Yeah. Um, the Wraith Seer is the one that I know this is normally like a Forge World choice, isn't it?
0: Correct. It is basically yeah. a um, Wraith Lord, but he's a Psyker. Mm. And he took so a, a little and...
2: bit of kit bashing, goes a long way.
0: Yep. Well, the model's are gorgeous. Don't get me wrong, I've got one. And he was awesome in the old art list because he used to be an HQ choice. But now they've kind of relegated him to a heavy support choice and he's no longer a character. So you can't pile up any relics on him. So I, he immediately kind of, kind of got dismissed. So interesting to see that he's uh, back in the mm-hmm. fold here.
2: And it looks like he kitted out this Wraith Lord to be more of a... Of a bucket of dice kind of model because he has two sh- he has two shuriken catapults a shuriken cannon and a scatter laser whereas the one small scale game of knights versus eldar that I played uh, this guy brought a wraith lord with as uh, with two bright lances
0: <laughs> yeah that's usually it just I... says, okay
2: that's rude yeah
0: I usually take the heavy weapons as well so it's interesting I took all the shuriken weapons so.
2: I think it was to shave off points to maybe fit in the flyers. Maybe. Because the flyers are definitely something that, if you use them correctly, can be high-skill move blockers. Because, sure, your opponent can move over the base, but they still have to end outside of an inch of them. Right.
0: The other thing I would love to do, I haven't quite figured it out yet, is take um, a whole bunch of Incubi in an in RE and then use the Hemlock Fighter. So now you have that minus 2 bubble, Uh, To force all these uh, fight lasts and then throw on maybe like a bunch of Venoms with grizzly trophies. So all of a sudden now everybody's minus four leadership. And uh, when, and then, so you're probably going to be swinging last and then whatever casualties you take, you're probably going to fail your leadership as well.
2: Yeah. So the other thing that I want to note about this event, I don't know if it was just like a weird thing and people showed up late, I have never seen this many zeros as someone's first round score.
0: Yeah, even somebody as highly ranked as uh, Thomas X from Oakley. So first of all, right off the bat, Thomas, what happened to the Blood Angels? Why are you playing in Ari? It's just something's not right with the world anymore. But yeah, I noticed that as well. So all I can think of is uh, was something bad traffic. I don't, you know, something out of the way or the store didn't open right or I don't know. But... So a lot of people took a zero in round one, so
2: yeah, which I mean, whatever the situation was, obviously more the, the most of them showed up to still play five rounds because they wanted to play five rounds.
0: Yeah. And before I forget the Void Raven missiles, so you spend fifteen points for this upgrade and you can it's two firing modes. You have the implosion missiles, which are forty-eight inch range, assault d three, strength six, AP minus three, two damage. Or the Shatterfield missiles also blast, uh, forty-eight inch range, assault D six, strength seven, EP minus two, one damage.
2: So you either take a lower shot number of missiles that's lo- that's lower strength, higher AP, essentially the same damage, or you take more shots of higher strength, lower EP.
0: Correct. One's two damage, one's one damage. So,
2: Oh, I'm assuming the strength seven one is one damage? Yes. Oh, okay. So you have the the armor cracker, which is the D3 shots, which you can use to chew through um, armor of contempt a little bit easier because you're still wounding it on, essentially on the same number. And then the strength seven just more shots. And if they're out in the open, it is effectively the same as sh- shooting the lower strength one so it's like might as well just you kill less Marines overall with it
0: right and that's in stark contrast to the Razorwing wing jet fighter which has um, the monocyte missiles which are AP zero it does have the shatterfield missiles the same one strength seven AP minus two one damage but uh, the missiles that I tend to use more often is the necrotoxin missiles it's assault 3d3 so you have a little more consistent on the shots but they are poison two plus
2: But then at that point they get their full armor save plus cover bonuses.
0: True, but usually I'm going after um, larger monsters with that. So I'm just like, I don't care your toughness seven, just start absorbing wounds.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, like you throw them into a Tervagon or something. Right. So, congrats to Rich Kilton of the Double Dutch Rudder for winning this event and coming on out from his hibernation of the spring and summer. Because he hasn't been playing a whole lot from all the other events that we've looked at. Now
0: it's good to see him back in the fold.
2: Yeah. So I think it's, we hop a little bit eastward and we go over the border up to our maple syrup and ketchup chip enjoying friends up in Canada.
1: Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook.
0: Sounds good to me. What do we got here? At um, I This is the Niagara Warning uh, 40K GT.
2: Well, the Wargaming 40KGT. Sure, it's a warning, but it's also a warning. Okay,
0: so I'm looking at one of the lists that I want to talk about, and that's what it has for the title, is the warning. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's an
2: odd name, but
0: all right, I'll roll with it. <laughs> yeah.
2: So in fifth place, we have Mike Harrison with Imperial Knights. There's a trend here. Um, fourth place, we have Brett, well, uh, Brett Wassel with Custodes. We have Mark Wang with Custodes. We have Hamza Sied. with sorry if I butchered that name, that is a really hard one to say, with Harlequins. And then, are, are we at the back of the start of 9th edition there, Eric? Because Nicholas Jagiello with Necrons.
0: Yeah, it seems to be a trend. Necrons keep winning today, so raise on to something that we didn't all see.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I could go back to them at any time, but I've worked so hard on painting my knights because Gosh dang it! I want hobby score next season.
0: <laughs> so, so this-
2: I think we should either you or Ray can probably take this one. I think.
0: I think Ray should take this one.
2: Do what? <laughs> Just like a Necron wakes up and barely pays attention. So. Get off
0: my property! <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, nah, it was it's um Nicholas Jaggiello's list. If you're able to see it, can I can't see ah, his
1: I can't see
2: Womp, womp, womp. Alright,
1: this is not new. That's why I was confused.
0: Make mm. <laughs> sure I've got the right guy here. Hold on. So, I see. actually already
2: have it up there. All so I right, got it. So it is, in fact, a custom dynasty of Relentless Expansionists and Eternal Conquerors. So here. pre-game yep. move and yep. double OPSEC. Woohoo! It has a Catacomb Command Barge. Okay. It has a single unit of Immortals. Which is just a patrol in this instance. And we have an elite, a maximum size squad of Scorpec destroyers. We have two big guys, four little guys, a single transcendent Katan, so the not fancy named one. And then we have an Outrider detachment of a little viral construct, so a little plasma site thingy, a Chronomancer, six more Scorpec destroyers, and another transcendent Katan. And then one, two, three units of three Scarabs, one unit of five Wraiths, a unit of three Ophidian Destroyers, so the more flimsy um, Horde Blender Destroyers. That can also need strength. Yep. And then three Tomb Blades. They are cheap as they come with Particle Beamers. And then we have the Silent King. Ooh, buddy, that's spicy. <laughs> well, I think this is definitely um like a either a counter idea while under the bubble of the Silent King, while you tango with katans for a couple of turns or something. This is definitely a list I would never expect to see out of Necrons where it's not a whole lot of shooting but a whole lot of
1: what this, we're going to what touch this you is, and murder you this is a high mobility Necron list this is all about getting to various spots as quickly as possible
2: well I find that the high mobility part of it is a little like obviously the wraiths move 12 the scarabs also move 12 Like they're insanely fast the Trescindic and Tans move like 8 or 10, so yeah, they're pretty fast themselves. But then everything else only moves...
1: The Blades move like 14. Eight.
2: Well, I mean, like bikes are bikes. Yeah, they're 14 inches. I'm talking about the rest of the list that all has to walk places. They only move like 8 inches, and sure, they get a pregame move of up to 6 inches. But then at that point, it's a... If you continue to walk forward, who's to say people aren't going to just chew your army alive before it gets there? Because I know they have a the chronomancer, so one unit gets to have a five of invulnerability. That's, that's generally the one that you would have presented to your opponent because of the fact that it's this is the only thing you get to shoot, and then obviously it's underneath the king. So, and the scorpic destroyers have core now. So I do very much believe it follows the same idea as like Thraka tied up in a whole bunch of mega knobs and boys and stuff where it, if you can have, if you can have a moving um, death star, it's going to be hard to admit that we're back to that kind of idea. If you have a walking death star that moves up the table and is able to touch places and prevent things, um, prevent things from touching buttons, you might be able to win the game that way. Because I know the Scarabs are sticky, the Wraiths are incredibly sticky, and then the scorpion Destroyers just touch you and you die.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't see any of the games, but I'd be willing to bet that the Immortals and probably that um, Chronomates are probably stuck and hung back in the deployment zone, holding on to the objective that was in their deployment zone, in most circumstances, while all the fast stuff was going out and about to the other objectives.
2: Yeah, and that's not hard to, to derive from this list. And plus, the having double transcendent contain that obviously means that there's going to be two threats that only take three damage. A- turn, well three damage a phase, and they heal one, and they're half the points cost of any of the named Catans. So at that point you get double the bang for your buck, because their powers Antimatter and Time Zero and Sky Falling Stars and Thunderbolt. So a whole bunch of long range powers that can go off and do stuff instead of having the Cosmic Fire one, where you have to be stuck in to do maximum damage, but then at that point you'd be throwing away a Catan.
1: I, I will say 30... Uh, I think it's only... They're only like 30 or 70 points different, so it's you're not getting two for one there. You're really not.
2: Well, I mean, also it's... That's why I say like half the cost overall, because of the fact that if you wanted to bring two Catans and the silent king. That's already a humongous price hike because the nightbringers 370, the void dragons another 300. So but those ones are really special. These ones are obviously generic so they have to be discounted. So it is that's why I say like roughly half the cost idea-wise because they give you a lot more wiggle room to fit in nine scarabs and still have five wraiths and not literally just go well, if you kill the king and these two things, I lose the game because I don't have an army left. I mean... Because if you kill those three things in this list, you still have all the destroyers and the wraiths to contend with things.
1: I'm just going to say that... Yeah, yeah, having two two Satan shards, no matter which one you're going to pick, it's, they're going to take up a decent chunk of your army, but... The, the, the list I played that I had, the Silent King and the Void Dragon, and I mean, I still had a ton of models to field.
2: I'm just saying, like, in if you were to try and copy this list to include two named Catans, that would be where you would have like no army left.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about two named Catans.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's just me looking at it because I I prefer playing shooting necrons. Shooting necrons aren't as good this edition anymore. Weird, huh? but then again, I haven't played as many <laughs> games with them as I've played with custodes. So that's just my opinion. Because my doomsday arcs still aren't D three plus three damage. God dang it, GW. <laughs> but someday. otherwise nah, no, nah, not someday not someday, they won't do it <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the other thing that I've noticed over the last few weeks of all of our events that we looked at imp- the loyal knights tend to be the overall better gatekeeper of the lower end of like the top five or top ten positions we don't see a lot of Chaos Knights running around anymore, so I think Chaos Knights, they had their their day in the sun and then got knocked back down into the dark, warped, filled place that they came from.
0: Interesting, because a lot of, I think, initially people thought Chaos Knights were the superior knights of the two codices.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll be playing them all next season, and I'll be learning to deal with it.
0: The other thing that blows me away is that we were also told with Nephilim, no one will ever take anything other than a battalion or patrol. And here we have an Outrider detachment.
1: Well, I mean, we are talking about a list where you've got one model that basically pays for that detachment.
2: Yeah, because it's also a restriction on the Catans, where you can only have one per detachment. So in order to bring the two, you would have to pay the tax of another detachment. And bringing Outrider gives you access to all of the wraiths and all the scarabs. So instead of having to bring more expensive things in like the elite or the heavy support choices, you get to bring the super cheap um, scarabs and then the super sticky wraiths. Because five of them is hard to chew through.
1: Yeah, if there's an army that's going to have multiple detachments, not just one or basically one or two, it's going to be the Necron army with the Silent King because they can take that extra um, uh extra um, detachment and still basically come out okay because they're not they've got that extra three points unlike other other people's armies
2: yep but I think with enough chitter chatter about Canada I think we can take a humongous U-turn and jump all the way back to Orange County
0: yep good old California here And this was an event actually run by the uh, Zenos Petting Zoo team, so I thought it was kind of funny that the one guy who didn't make it to the event went to Utah and had a great game there.
2: (laughs) Well, I honestly have to think that since this was put on by Zenos Petting Zoo, this is kind of the equivalent of Smite Club here in Arizona putting on the Smite Club Open, where most, if not all of the teammate team members are going to show up there probably. (laughs) So they were like, no, no, we can't take up half the field. Go away. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So this one, I, I think I've played against one of these people before. Um, His name will probably stick out if I read it off at all. But the top five people um, are Eloy Oakley with chaos knights as just as i say that if loyal knights are the gatekeeper blah 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 blah, blah. i like being proven wrong <laughs> um then we have matthew green with tyranids we have mark ferrick with tau we have logan heath with death guard and then we have joel wilson again with necrons
0: and joel's list looks a little bit different again uh, we'll start off with a Vanguard Detachment.
2: Yep, and he's specifically playing a Nihalak, which is something that we have not seen outside of the days of people being cheeky and giving their wraiths a 2-up and vulnerable save while they're on an objective. So it is a a unit of Cryptothralls, our lovely murder buckets, a single Plasma Sight, a Chronomancer, Luminor's and then 10 Lich Guard, and then 6, 12, 18 Scorpec Destroyers. Holy be- Jesus, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have a total of six Scarabs between two units. We have one unit of six Locust Destroyers and a single Locust Heavy Destroyer, so that's a seven man squad? Interesting. Mm-hmm. It might just be read wrong. Because- oh, you right.
0: that's how I read it as well. All I can think of is, well, I guess you can do R&D. So.
2: I mean, also, I believe if you pay for the six, you might have to swap out the sixth guy with um, the heavy, but we'll look it up later. And then he has three more Locust Heavy Destroyers. <laughs> so that's a whole lot of big guns. Like, I love the the normal destroyers with their strength 6 guns because they are a humongous amount of shots. And then he also has the Silent King.
0: Yeah, more and more of him it's becoming <laughs> quite evident that he is auto-take at this point.
2: Well, yeah, because he's now core. Just, hmm.
0: <laughs> but, um, yeah, a little bit different list again but it seems like where well, the other one was more mobility-based I mean, this one definitely just screams close combat. And I'm trying to remember what Nickelack or Nickelback used to do.
2: Well, I can actually pull that up because I actually have my app open at the moment. Okay. So I know Nahalak is originally the was like the epitome of. Get off my lawn, kind of play <laughs> because they were they got a whole bunch of bonuses while being in the deployment zone, and they could I think if they stood still, last edition they could reroll once to hit. Like it was, it was rather tasty for shooting Necrons, but also you couldn't move, so you lost the game. So yeah, Nahalak very, di-
1: very different now.
2: Yep. So so Nahalak models gain objective secure just outright so that would give your crypto thralls the plasma site chronomancer um, not Zerus because he's a dynastic agent um, the lich guard all your scorpic destroyers all your swarms all your all of the floaty destroyers would be obsec and then and if they already count as Objective secure they count as one additional model so it does the um, Eternal Conqueror's benefit built into a Dynasty Code. And if you are shot at with an AP minus one weapon, you get, and you are wholly within your deployment zone, you get Armor of Contempt. That's basically what it is. You just reduce the AP by, you reduce it to AP zero. And. When you take the Protocol of the Eternal Guardian, you get both benefits for non-Dynastic Agents or Catan Shards. And I do not know the protocols off of my head because they are really, really, really confusing. Which one is it? Eternal Conquerors. Well, Eternal Guardian.
1: Okay, so Directive 1 is each time an attack is made against this unit... If it did not make a normal move, advance, or fall back, it counts as having light cover. And the second one is each time an enemy unit declares a charge against this unit, if this unit is not within engagement range of any enemy units, it can either hold steady or set to defend. If it holds steady, then until the end of the phase, any overwatch attacks made by models in that unit score on hits on unmodified rolls of 5+, plus instead of 6. And if it sets to defend, then until the end of the phase, it cannot fire overwatch, but until the end of the next fight phase, each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack, add one to the attack's hit roll.
2: So... That basically translates into if you're wholly in your deployment zone and you're getting shot at, you have literally armor of contempt with light cover. So everything in that army outside of the Scarab Swarms literally has two up armor saves.
0: hope you brought some big guns
2: hopefully <laughs> so yeah that's actually really interesting y- you would have never thought that you'd be able to build an armor of contempt idea inside of inside of a non space marine army effectively enough like cuz i actually really like this list it's it is a little spammy in the 18 score pick destroyers but then again the score pick destroyers are probably one of the best units that we have in necrons now because they're core they do a whole bunch of damage and sure they only move 8 inches but I mean they're also destroyers Yes. so whatever they touch will most likely be dead unless you roll all 2s and then you're in trouble (laughs)
0: The other army of note was uh, Logan Heath brought uh, Death Guard, and uh, all right, (laughs) specifically Mortarian's Anvil, and um, yep, I hope he's got a lot of models to paint here. So,
2: (laughs) not a single rhino to be seen. Nope. Well, I know our our local friend Don. Has been testing out the Plague Marine list here. And he's been enjoying it, having the rhinos and stuff like that. As far as I know, he still has the rhinos. I haven't chatted with him in a minute. But yeah, no. This is a whole bunch of wounds to chew through. This is not easy for anyone. And then you have... Five, then you have 10 death out terminators right
0: <laughs> so yeah four units of 10 plague marines all kitted out blight launchers um cleavers uh, great play cleavers flail uh, corruption bubonic axes and melted guns and then after those four you got two that are pretty much bare bones cleaver flail mason axe and then a melted gun so just five man units and then a biologus purifier uh Two units of Destroy Terminators, five and strong, and a Foul Blight Spawn, and then the Tally Man, you know, just pick up some more uh, bonuses for killing stuff.
2: Yeah. This this list is definitely a because I know in the Stowe's list that I'm playing right now, it is twelve bikes, two playases, and three palace. Well it... Two palaces, two pleiases, 12 bikes, Trajan, and a bannerman. There we go. I accidentally thought of a different list. But most of those all have missiles. So, luck. So, on a good day, I could probably chew through both the five man marine squads and then probably get halfway through one of the 10 man plague marine squads before I realize I'm losing the game because of the fact that I haven't been able to go out and touch an objective.
0: Yeah, the only thing I can think of is because he doesn't have the um, rhinos is does he ever get out of his deployment zone to do that?
2: Well, he could potentially, um, because looking at it, he does still start with this is a battalion Oh No, he starts with exactly zero command points. So he cannot strategically reserve any of this. Or at least I think, yeah, there's one, there's two, there's three. Four, five. Where is number six? Oh, an additional relic. There it is. All right. So yeah, no, he literally can't strategic reserve anything, so he must take advantage of... I know uh, 10-man Plague Marine squads aren't the easiest things to hide because they're fairly large models, but you can still hide behind... You can still at least hide two units behind a building effectively, as long as you take up the entire building. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, it is definitely a I think this is going to be the new idea that we see from Death Guard for a while where they take advantage of the sheer durability of the number of bodies because no one is going to want to shoot Death Shroud Terminators because they're literally bodyguarding all of the characters or they're da- or they're deep striking themselves. So at that point, they're just like, well, we have to dedicate all of our shots into a Plague Marine squad. <laughs> to start doing anything to this list and then by that time, yeah, they've already scored easily like 30 or 40 points on top of you.
0: I'm just thinking like how are you gonna chew through the once they get on those objectives, you're not gonna get them
2: off. Yeah. That's why I like doing the math on a good day with my with my current custodes list, I could I could easily chew through like 15 Plague Marines and then just realize that, oh, I'm in trouble.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I saw that. I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah. so there we go. That is our tournament uh, wrap up for this week.
2: Yep. So as for like Xenos Petting Zoo as a team, they've I think they've grown in size and in popularity over the last few years because all the time that I've been going to them, I've seen their name pop up at least once or twice to any of the West Coast, West Coast events that I'm able to make it to. And I've had the pleasure of playing like one or two of them. And yeah, they got a pretty solid foundation of, of player base. Like they, they play a lot. That is the key, is yeah, getting
0: those repetitions in.
2: Yeah, makes me wish I had better days off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think all three of us can agree on that.
2: Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest
1: Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me, and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your uh, armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models. And if you, when you order, they come fast. The order is right and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com, and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminous Podcast.
0: So looking at all the tournament action from this past weekend, your ITC Top 10 looks a little bit like this. Uh, In 10th place, uh, Ben Turwin still hanging in there. 9th place, Stephen Crawley. 8th place, Anthony Birdsong. 7th place, Brenton Weiss. 6th place, Matt Robertson. 5th place, Thomas Ogden. Uh, fourth place, Innis Wilson. Third place, David Gaylard, uh, followed by number two, Manny Chima. And in first place, with 1,344 points, Vic the J back on top
2: here. So a great weekend for everyone involved. Yeah. I think this race between Vic and Manny is probably, begun, is probably going to be continuous until, like, November. And then at that point... I, if David can place, if David can take one or two events in his area, it might be like a a leapfrog scenario of Vic, Manny, and David are just hopping over each other for one, two, and three, just within like five points of each other. Right.
0: So right now where they stand, Vic is ahead of Manny by 21 one hundredths of a point. Not even a full point, so uh, very small limp margins there. David Gaylard, is uh, he's at 13.26 compared to Manny's 13.43, so with quick math, that's 17 points. The tricky part is, as you mentioned, okay, all one of us has to do is win an event. They all live in England, and the chances are a tournament that gives you enough points to knock out one of their top six scores to give them bonuses there's a good chance one of the other two guys are going to be there. So you're going to have to face one of these guys head to head to get to the top.
2: Yeah. that That's why it's very much going to be a leapfrog thing. Like if all three of them show up to the same event, Vic and Manny play each other, that gives David a clear hop over them. But then David's probably going to end up playing whoever won that game. And it's, just going to be back and forth. It's going to be a real tight race for the next few months, unless we see someone literally just bomb their way into the top 10 with like a 1400 point score from something. Right.
0: Which all could happen. I mean, we were seeing, like I said, we saw first time we've seen Rich Kilton. There's still a couple of the big U S names that, and um, have not really lit up the first half of the year. So, With maybe Nephilim, they'll come out of the woodwork. And of course, we still have quite a few large events still to come this summer, as well as this fall. So we'll see what happens.
2: Yep, like Lone Star Open is going to be like in the next few weeks here. And then SoCal Open after that. Smite Club Open. Tickets on sale. Get yours today. Absolutely. Plenty
0: of space. Yep. Listen to the ad. It'll give you all the directions of where you need to get. And uh, plenty of space is still available. Plus you get to meet us three. So it'll be a lot of fun to
2: see you guys there. Yep. But otherwise, I have a night to go paint.
0: And, uh, I need to uh, get some paint on my um, webway gate, which I forgot to bring to the game when I played right. <laughs> But it wouldn't be a game against Ray if I didn't forget models. So, but anyway, so my name's Eric. I'm
2: Raymond. I'm
0: Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus podcast.